Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Eric Cohn of IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Todd Salons and Jordan Gilbert. Hey guys. Hello. How's it going? So, Todd, one of the things that I find interesting about you as a filmmaker is that you're almost like the indie George Lucas or something. Like, you look at like Star Wars, it's this whole universe. There's this whole universe of characters that you've created. Um, you know, the George Lucas comparison stops right there. But uh, with this film, you take Selma Blair's character we see in the, in the trailer, and, and she's somebody, a character that you've dealt with before. Uh, when you write these stories, is that a starting point for you in terms of how you situate your stories? Do you, do you go back to this original world that you've created and then decide you want to tell a story there, or does that just sort of happen organically? Yeah, it's not, there's nothing calculated about it. I, I didn't say, oh, I want to make a movie that will incorporate uh, Selma Blair and her character. Uh, it just evolved over the course of... Um, a premise uh, that I, I, I made as simple as I could, which was just a boy meets girl movie, and, and I wanted to make something very low budget. Um, uh, so uh, it, it just, uh, it works out that way, but it's not, as I say, by any, uh, it's not by design. Um, uh, look, I, I, I actually, I plan on, if, if I'm so fortunate as to get uh, the money, I, I, the next movie takes place in Texas, um, and um, I, you know, and in that one I don't think will, you know, be quite as, um, uh, let's say, as literal in terms of the connection that it's not, it's not a tri-state movie or tri-state South Florida. The other consistency. Uh, which is actually quite startling outside of specific characters or, or environments is, is the tone. Uh, all of your movies, without fail, have been these sort of sad comedies. In fact, from that trailer, if you're watching it, it's hard to tell exactly, you know, am I supposed to laugh at this guy? You know, what, what exactly is the reaction that you're supposed to get out of people? And I wonder when you, when you write a story like this, are, are you looking for ways of injecting humor into it? Or is that also something that just sort of happens? Yeah, I mean, I, for better or for worse, it's, my sensibility is reflected in these films. Um, uh, yes, I, I have called them uh, sad comedies, um, but uh, there's uh, the, the pathos and, and, and the comedy, they, they are inextricably entwined, uh, uh, intertwined, and... Um, uh, this is why I've always had uh, uh, some half the audience might laugh and tell me how funny it is and the other half very angry at the first half, how can you laugh? This is too sad and too painful. But for me it's both. Um, uh, I, I, I just find that uh, uh, there's great hilarity when terrible things happen um, and, and vice versa. So, Jordan, that, that's a good segue into, into how you got involved with this movie. I mean, given that Todd's got this body of work, I mean, what sort of expectations do you have going into it and, and you know, sort of figuring out what it was that he wanted to do with this character? Uh, well, I mean, I, I was on cloud nine, the fact that uh, Todd felt that I was who he wanted for, for Abe, because um, I think there were a lot of other 
name actors that were in the mix, and it just worked out that uh, I connected to Abe on a very visceral level, and I think Todd saw that. And uh, my expectations were, I just felt like I was in, uh, I, I, it's funny, because a bunch of these uh, interviews, people ask me what's it like to work with Todd, and I'm, I'm always, I can't help but uh, exude flattery, because he, he's um, an incredible actor's director, and I just, it's one of those cases where, you don't have to worry about making sure you get all the get all the, the work on the character done because I have someone to shepherd me if I get lost with it. And I always felt like, um, other than my other than myself and Todd, we we both knew the character so well that I could collaborate with him on that, and uh, made for a really great uh, you know twenty eight thirty days of shooting. And you know you're in nearly every scene of this movie. So was there a point in time where you started to understand who this guy was more, and what you know what his problem was? You know, uh, it's funny because I, because I'm so inside of him from working on him, and I, I don't know if I could tell you specifically what his real problems might be, um, because I feel the way that the character is seen in the film, he's very uh, moment to moment. Uh, it, it really depends on the circumstances for him. Uh, I mean, a lot of times he's a big, a big baby, a big child, but, but uh, other times he's very angry and, you know, he, he's one of these guys that you never know what to expect. And, and so it's hard for me to say what is one spe any one specific issue. I think he's a, a product of, of, of our time, of, of uh, you know, uh, parents who who uh, kind of let their children have whatever they want without getting them uh, instilled with a good work ethic. And, you know, um, my kid, you know, he, he, he still lives in the bedroom he grew up in in elementary school. So, at home, you know, so that's, that's a major issue. Sure, they really gotta work that one out. Uh, <laughs> now, Todd, this is probably the first movie you've done since Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's, almost entirely dedicated to the issues of one character and everyone else is sort of gravitating or sort of revolving around them on some level. So it feels like a much smaller movie in that sense. Is, was there something about this particular character uh, that, that made you want to really single him out for an entire movie? I mean, do, do you specifically relate to some of these issues or was he based on, on people that you knew? I mean, where do you go to, to create somebody like this? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a really good question. I don't know the answer. I, I mean, I can say it resonated with me. Um, and uh, the character moved me. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, there's great humor attached to all of this. Um, I, I, you know, if I were an academic, I, I could explain uh, much more intelligently uh, the design, but the, the creative process, writing process is a creative one. Uh, it's a very instinctive one. It's not, the character is not a portrait of any particular person, um, and it's certainly not a phenomenon uh, that's uh, peculiar to the United States. This, uh, they, in Japanese, they have a word for it called otaku. Um, uh, it describes often youngish men living at home, uh, they play a lot of video games and DVDs and so forth and their mom might leave a little tray outside their door in the morning and then pick it up when it's been uh, finished. Um, and uh, it's, this, this, uh, it's, it's something common to 
you know, countries that have a certain amount of prosperity, of course. So then th there is an, actually an aspect of social commentary sort of embedded in just the, the basic scenario here. It's hard to avoid these things, you know. I, I, I never, as I said, I don't like to explain. I feel that whatever critique or commentary or satire, it's, it's already there, it's implicit. Um, uh, and, and I think the, the uh, audience can pick up on that. Um, uh, and, but it's meant to be as, as much as, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a tract, it's, it's, a, it's a little entertainment. Um, and w I hope one that has a certain amount of resonance and, uh, and poignancy for, for, for the audience. Well, but it's interesting because you say that, you know, it's hard to explain that these things are sort of intuitive or they emerge naturally from the way that you tell these stories. And yet, with this specific film, it seems like people are latching on to the easiest point of comparison, that this is somehow a response or a commentary on those man-child romantic comedies that we see mm -hmm. that Judd Apatow is associated with these days. And I wonder, for both of you guys, really, since you, you play the role of the man-child, uh, you know, how, did, how does that comparison sit with you? I mean, do you feel strongly Well, I think it? it's inevitable. If, I, if it weren't my movie, I'd make that comparison. I mean, uh, you know, the Apatow template, uh, the 40-year-old virgin et al., uh, et cetera, you know, uh, they're out there and it's on television and so forth. Um, so it, this is a different take. It's an alternate kind of uh, attack on, on this subject matter. Um, uh, and uh, so the expectations an audience might have, you know, I, the movie I think plays, in fact, for a good portion as if it were an Apatow movie. But um, I, I don't think anyone will be confused by the end. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? Did it ever seem like an Apatow movie to you? No, it, it always felt like Todd Solon's film. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, he has his own voice, so it, it, I mean, there's. People, you know, people bring up the genre, um, like 40-year-old version and Knocked Up and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I say, you know, this is, those movies kind of, you laugh, uh, you laugh uh, at the ridiculousness of things. And here you laugh at, at or, or maybe you don't laugh at the, the true kind of fallout that can happen with somebody that actually lives that way. And, and with his parents and all that stuff. Something else that I think makes this movie stand out from those is, is the, the sort of the sense of uncertainty, not only about you know how you're supposed to feel about what's going on, but what's going on at all. And I don't want to reveal too much about the later parts of the movie, but this this is a, a, one of the, the, those those the movies that you've done where at a certain point the narrative kind of folds in on itself, and there, there's this surreal dimension where you know you're not sure if you're watching something that's actually happening or not. And that, that's something that I think really makes you stand out. It's, it's probably very difficult to put on the page and then to put a, put a camera in front of somebody and say, you know, we're going to make, make this ambiguous on some level. It must be quite, quite well, a challenge. Well, no, I, I mean, I would never try and make, tell an actor or a cameraman that we're going to try and make something ambiguous. I mean, you, you always approach each scene like you, you uh, with an actor and the camera and so forth as, and uh, trying to ground it in, their, in, in, in the same reality as everything else. It has to have the same emotional truth that anything else has. Um, it, it, if, if an audience, in fact, and some may be confused, some not. I don't find it confusing, but then I wrote it. Um, 
I, I, I mean, I, 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 I think that um, uh, what's most important is that the emotional uh, uh, impetus, uh, the emotional uh, logic and, and trajectory uh, does uh, cohere. Um, uh, and, and that uh, uh, this kind of uh, quote-unquote, I don't know, breakdown or meltdown of sorts, that it, you know, what it does is, you know, there's a kind of unanchoring effect um, that I think is expressive of the, the kind of inner turmoil and struggle that this character is um, going through. And, and so it's just another way of attacking that, of dramatizing that. And, and what about the rest of his, his world? You know, you have Christopher Walken as the father, is this very demanding presence. How do you go about fleshing out each of those details? I mean, are, do you have a backstory for everyone in, in this man's life, or is it? Oh, well, I, I would never use the word backstory. In fact, you know, I teach at NYU, and when I hear the word backstory, I say, just throw it out. You know, I just can't listen to that. I, I, I want to know what's on screen, what do we see right now, what is happening? Don't you worry about it, I'll fill it in. You know, the audience will fill in all the blanks. The last thing an audience needs is to be explained. Okay, um, you know, a, a look, a gesture, a, a, a simple line can tell volumes. So it's it's really a, a kind of an economizing that I think has to take place. Uh, I, I think uh, because I, I teach, you know, a lot of uh, aspiring filmmakers, you know, the, the one big mistake is to start. I never understand why. They, they, what's my backstory? I mean. You know, if an actor comes and says, what's my backstory? You know, I make something up, you know? Um, most actors who have experience, they fill in the blanks. They work, they understand, you know, what, if there's something that's preventing them from being able to uh, play a scene because there's something they don't understand, we'll talk about it. But there was never any confusion for any of my actors about what's going on here. Now, the, one of the more cliched questions that tend to come up is how much improvisation plays a role. But I'm guessing with you, improvisation is pretty much off the table. No, on the contrary. Um, uh, not cliche. It's just, it's frequently asked. Okay. But, 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 but a good question. And, and Jordan added quite a bit. Uh, he and Chris both were, they, I, I gave them a free reign with uh, a lot of scenes to embellish, to ad-lib and so forth um, and and it's all within certain parameters you know as long as it's within the parameters I set up you know if they give me something good and, 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 and they often did you know I use that I keep that if they write something they say give me a line better than what I wrote I'm happy to take credit right it's it's still your movie at the end of the day I don't want to say I, I didn't really I, I don't take ownership in the any literal sense here. I, uh, but I, I mean, it's a collaborative thing, but yes, it's my movie. <laughs> so, so were you surprised to work on, on this film and, and find that you had that kind of uh, sort of wiggle room to, to improvise? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a very pleasant uh, surprise in a way because um, uh, I think um, Todd has this reputation maybe the, of, uh, of, of being very, well, I think any any true visionary or writer who's worth his salt is, takes proud ownership of, of their words and doesn't want them to be muddled with. But uh, uh, it was very early on, it was, it, we found this rhythm of uh, where he felt uh, he trusted me with the character that I could just start 
being, you know, letting things out more and, and not having to stick so much to word for word the script. But that being said, I mean, I, I mean, a great majority of the film is on the page. I mean, the the dialogue and and so you know, it's a credit to 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 the writing that you never really know when there is a spontaneous moment or an ad lib. See, the, the improvising that the problematic improvising is really when the actor doesn't know their lines. You see, then it's it's quote improvising. You know. Um, uh, the, you know, Jordan always knew his lines. Once you know your lines, then you can have freedom. I once had an actor, you know, I had to put, a, 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 what do you call those cards? Cue cards. cards for her to, she said, I don't know what happened. I said, maybe you didn't memorize the lines, you know? It's, it's just, but, but it, it, you, you, I, I think a lot of people assume all actors come prepared, but they don't. And, and you have to always be prepared for others who may not be so prepared. And this is a good segue to talk about uh, sort of the compromises that you have to make sometimes on, on set. I mean, you talk a lot about the challenges of getting money to get a movie made. So once you get to that point, uh, is, there, is there any sense of urgency for you? You know, okay, I have this window, I need to get this movie done. You know, whatever doesn't work, I'll just throw it out the window or, you know, I mean, how essentially, how committed are you to making sure it's your vision that gets there at the end of the day? Well, I, I mean, I never used the word vision, first of all. Well, he already used it for okay. me. Okay, so. okay. I, that's, I don't use this. I let, let, I let, I, well, respect Jordan, but that's not, that's not me. I, I um, you know, making, making a movie, if you're a director, you know that the, the name of the game is compromise. Every day, every moment, is, is, oh, there's always compromise. It's just the nature of the compromise that you buy into, that you accept, that alters if it's a low-budget film or if it's a studio-driven film. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I get onto set and, and invariably I'm assaulted with just terrible crises all the time. Uh, it, it's just the nature of filmmaking, losing locations, you know, an, uh, an actress breaks out, you know, uh, an accident happens, you know, all, all these things, that's just the nature of, of the beast. Um, uh, if you're lucky, occasionally, you know, something, a variable you hadn't anticipated, something good enters the frame, and you have to capture that. So a, a director with, an ex with experience, you know, is, is alive to the fluidity and the mutability of, of the nature of the process and has to be able to capture that moment and not assume just because it wasn't scripted that, it, that it's not appropriate or that's not a good thing. I love the story that uh, you've recounted before about at one point being in discussions to direct a Charlie's Angels movie because I just would have loved to know what that would have looked like. Uh, basically, because I don't think of you as a, as a commercial filmmaker that the way that you make movies is, is pretty much just the way that you want to make movies. Uh, at the same time, it seems like maybe the stories you're telling now are maybe less overtly challenging in the way that a film like, say, Happiness was, or even Welcome to the Dollhouse. I mean, that, that maybe you softened, not necessarily in a bad way, but in a way that opens your work up to people in, 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 a, in a new direction. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it's... it's um, uh, I don't, I don't know if I've, if I've quote, softens, and, and, and as you say, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Um, I, I, I know that the, the audience is softened. Um, I, you know, I have a very smooth trajectory, you know, it's just, it's every movie makes half the amount of the previous one. 
Um, so it's, it's very smooth, the graph of my career. And that's a sad comedy for you. Um, but it's good. I, 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 I hope you're laughing. Um, uh, but, but, you know, I just I blanked on what, you, what I was, your question again. What I, Have you gone soft? No, no, before <laughs> that. Before, but you said something else. You were uh, the, the um, first part of that question. Well, I brought up the Charlie's Angels. Oh, the Charlie's story, Angels, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, first of all, that's what I was going to say. It's just that, you know, I, my movies, first of all, you know, you, you say they were more challenging. I think they've always been very accessible in, in terms of narrative. Uh, I mean, this is not like Hiroshima Mon Amour. I mean, these, you know, there are no flash forwards or, or, or elliptical Claire Denis. I mean, this is very accessible, very mainstream in terms of the narrative, I find. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's the way I deal with my subjects, however, that makes it not so mainstream. I see myself as commercial. I'm always wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I, I write in some sense, you know, uh, to please the, the kind of the 11-year-old within myself. If I, as an 11-year-old, can't follow the story, um, then uh, I'm not going to be engaged. So that I think even if an 11-year-old watched any of my movies, they could follow the narrative. They might have a lot of questions. Mommy, what is, you know, you know this, let's say the social, sexual, political, et cetera, ramifications, so forth. But they could follow the story. Um, so it's, you know, Charlie's Angels. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a long talk actually with, with Drew uh, Barrymore about it. Um, and we were all very excited, but we knew it could never happen because, look, if I were the head of the studio, I wouldn't have hired me either. My movie, in, instead of making 300 mil, would have made, it would have been the one that grossed 3 million for Charlie's Angels. But it would have been fun to play with those icons. We did, I, I mean, I had an idea of how I would rework it, but the script they had, I had no interest in. So let's talk really quickly about uh, distribution. Um, every one of your movies seems to find some interesting way of getting out there. Do you think it's, is it harder now, or has it just always been the same degree of difficulty for you to, to find a home for your, for your movie theaters? Uh, if you say home, a theatrical distribution, you know, it's, it's um, I've been fortunate. Look, I don't like, you know, I, I don't really, I hate listening to people, directors complaining. Look, I, the movie plays in like all 50 states, it plays in Europe, around the world. What's to complain? So like a million people saw the movie. I mean, my God, you know, am I gonna be a happier person if two million instead of one million? You know, would I be happier, you know, if, if, if five million versus three million? I, I'm not gonna be a happier person. The only way in which it has an impact on me is that if more people see the film, it makes it less difficult to get financing for the next project. So only on that level um, does it really matter. Um, uh, I'm perfectly, look, I'm very, I feel very fortunate and, and blessed that, you know, my movie, you know, that, that, that the work actually speaks to someone. That I in another world, another country, another life that that has no uh, intersection with where I grew up and so forth, and 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 it's it's a wonderful magical thing. So I feel very very grateful that there is an audience. Period. Now, of course, the reality is, uh, young people in particular, people don't go to <coughs> movies as much as they used to. I mean, the audience is shrunk for movies like this. Um, just the numbers make it uh, much more difficult. Um, for uh, the, the filmmakers like myself to get uh, financing for, for their films. 
Um, if, if I were a French filmmaker and I lived in France, I wouldn't have to worry because there's a, a, a state subsidy set up to uh, support filmmakers like myself. In this country, it's, it's just a market-driven economy. Um, and so, uh, you know, if Claire Denis lived here, she could have made her first movie, and then she would have had to do episodes of Sex and the City. You know, that's, that's just the reality. So it, in, in this country, you know, to be a filmmaker like myself, it's, like myself, it's more like being, a, it's like a hobby. Um, I, I try to, you know, I think that, you know, if you go to film school, it's, it's, you should look at it like it's like going to poetry school. You know, it's, it's, it's a great pleasure if you can have this privilege of going there. Um, but uh, it's, it's not realistic if you, if, if, you know, to anticipate or expect uh, an actual career um, uh, if you want to work outside of the studio system. So we'll go to questions in just a second because I'm sure there's some good ones out here. But um, really quickly, if you can plug your hobby, uh, you mentioned going to Texas for your next project. Can you tell us anything else about you know, what, you, what you have in mind there? Well, it may have to be New Mexico because they've got a tax break there and Texas doesn't. Um, but, but, you know, I, 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 I said to you backstage, I don't like to jinx things beyond that. Um, and uh, the, the producer will uh, try and figure out if there's a magical way to get this movie off the ground. We'll see. All right, questions from the audience. Could you talk about the process of casting uh, Christopher Walken? Because it seems like a perfect choice of the father. Um, how I got Christopher Walken? process of casting. Well, I offered him the part, um, and um, uh, he accepted. I don't know. Um, we, we, we met, actually, uh, I think, you know, we were both probably a little anxious. You know, he probably heard stories like, I'm a total monster, and, and, um, uh, and I was, you know, it, it's always, you know, it's very daunting, you know, to work with some, an, an actor as iconic as Chris Walken. And so we met, and, and Jordan, in fact, came along, and, and we got to, in fact, you know, feel each other out a little bit, and, and we felt comfortable enough uh, to work together. I think his, you know, his agent had said um, he, he was anxious to play a human being, um, and, and so he was very responsive to the film. Uh, because he's, he usually he gets a lot of offers for things that are more like grotesques of sorts. Um, and uh, and what I, he was very open to, you know, I, I gave him the toupee and, and changed his eyes. and made, I, w I wanted to mute him, to, to bring him, to get rid of the rock hair and, and, and make him more ordinary and, and sort of uh, 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 not the kind of wild, let's say, uh, guy and that it made it I, I think um, and yet he always has a certain kind of fire within him kind of icy fire and so uh, it, it made it kind of exciting for me. Hi Todd. Um, yeah I feel like a lot of your movies are kind of uh, memorable for these great one-liners is really you know you said it before instances where you're like should I be laughing or you know why is that person laughing next to me do you do those kind of just come organically as you write your your stories as as you write your scenes yeah you know it's it's you know as I write you know I, I, I it's you know I feel that you know there's a kind of charge to it you know it, it I may say oh my god this is so horrible but that it's funny you know and I have I have a whole myriad of responses to a scene and 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 so I think that's reflected in and in, in, in the work in, in, in the film when it's finished, and that's what makes it exciting for me. I, you know, I, I think, like you, you say, you know, there, laughter is not this monolithic force. You know, there are all kinds of laughter. Um, 
uh, you know, it's 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 um, uh, sometimes a laughter comes in places that's unexpected, and and sometimes it's a good thing. I I feel, and sometimes I'm troubled by it. You know, I tell the story years ago of how I once was at Telluride and, and I showed happiness and a young uh, gentleman came up to me uh, all enthused and excited about the film. Um, and uh, he said, man, that was so great. It was hilarious. I loved it. And when that kid got raped, it was hilarious. Um, and, and so I knew I was in trouble, you know, it, it, it's, you know, my, the, the films were fraught with ambiguity, but, you know, and after that, of course, that's when I said my films aren't for everyone, especially people who like them. Um, so it's, it's really, um, you know, when you go to, you know, audiences are, are, are mutable and fickle and, and I, I don't, I never subscribe to the notion an audience is always honest. Uh, you know, they're just as unreliable as the filmmakers. Um, the way in which an audience responds to a film. I mean, in the best of all worlds, you know, what I look for in a, for an audience is just an audience with an open mind, open to the experience, and just. And, and, and if you, if the less you have to analyze, and where should I live, should I not, should this, should I stay, should I walk out, you know, just the more you can just experience and 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 let yourself go, the more I think you can. Uh, 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 have a, a really gratifying experience. Do you find that your films uh, have aged in any particular way that you hear from people who just saw Dollhouse the other day that it you know, struck them in a particular way that was different because of you know, the way they saw it or something? Aged, well, I've aged. Um, uh, uh, movies are, you know, they're, they're just it, it, we change, but the movie it, it is a static thing. Um, and uh, I, I um, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the way people respond to movies at certain times, you know, it's so unpredictable, it's so unknowable. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very proud and moved by what I've achieved here with this movie, and I put it out, and I have no idea, I never know. I really never know, will an audience take to it, or will they be bored by it? Will they uh, uh, want to tell their friends? Or will they want to walk out? I really never know. Um, it's, it's, um, uh, it would be presumptuous. But that's sort of the excitement, I think, in the, in the magic and mystery of the whole film business entirely, that no one really knows who's going to take to what. Well, more specifically, I was wondering, I mean, do, do, there's a whole generation of people who may have been too young to have been allowed to watch your earlier films who now may be discovering them. So. Yeah, well, I'm sure, I mean, a lot of people have told me, you know, that I, like, I fucked them up for life. You know, they, <laughs> they saw my, they saw happiness at 12. Their parents took them, you know. Um, it's a badge but, of honor, maybe. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't think, um, I don't, I, I really don't think movies have that power to, to, to screw up your life. You're already screwed up, if, you know, it's just, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I think, and I remember Dark Shadows was on TV. It was this soap opera every day, and, and, um, uh, and my mom forbade me. I was never allowed to watch it, so I had to sneak, you know, hope and tell her, you know, don't you need to go to the supermarket, you know, anything so I could watch the next episode. Um, uh, and, um, but she was afraid it would give me nightmares. But we see what my mom didn't understand was that it's real life that is the source of the nightmares. 
you see. It's what's really happening in your life. And the movies can be a wonderful escape. Hi. Um, I know we've spoken a little bit about the creative process that you go through, um, specifically in terms of the content of it. I'm just more curious about whether you find yourself generating the ideas under certain circumstances, certain conditions. Do you find yourself certain environments are more conducive to you thinking of ideas? No, I mean, you just have to sit alone in your room, get a pen and, and have paper, and just sit down, like take a seatbelt if necessary. I mean, it's all about having a certain kind of self-discipline. Either you're writing or you're not writing. You know, there's only so long you can go on telling everyone, yes, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker, and you're not if you don't have the scripts, you know? That's, it's just, um, it's, it's, I've been writing since I'm reading, so it's not a new thing for me. Um, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, they're all different ways. Some people, you know, I, I always love that story, Joyce Carol Oates, you know, she'd get up and she writes every day, she gets up, uh, she writes a short story, and then she has breakfast. I just love that. Um, but, look, if someone said you could never write again, I'd say, all right, you know, there are other things in life. I'll survive, you know, I don't have this, this, this uh, kind of dementia. Um, but, um, uh, you know, some people, look, Faulkner, I mean, he was totally, uh, you know, drunk as, you know, and, and vomiting up and, and, and still didn't stop him from writing, you know, the, the, these great books of the 20th century. You know, it's not, I, I, I you know, I, I wrote the script, you know, while I was teaching. It's not, you know, either you have it in you that you have a story you have to tell, or you don't, and if you don't have anything that you have to tell, then it doesn't matter if you write it or not, because you don't have to tell it. I hope it's good, but I was curious, because you always write in a screenplay, not just only the directing. I was curious, have you ever explored the option of actually taking somebody's script or a book that based on something else uh, that you wanted to actually turn into the film? Um, I think the question is, do I, would I do any, uh, direct someone else's script or adapt someone else's book? Um, I'm always open to that in theory. The problem is I still have ideas of things that I want to do and I always put uh, the priority on my own work. I'm very selfish that way. I can't do the one for me, one for them. Because the last thing I want is like, I do the one for them and then I die. And it's like, you know, I could have been doing a one for me, but why did I waste my time doing it for them? It was, it's, it's too hard, it's a nightmare. I, I, it's, and my life is short and it's, it's gonna be me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the movie opens next Friday. You can uh, go see it next Friday. Yeah, June 8th at the Angelica and other places after that. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know the story. Is it, is it going to be at the Lincoln Center or the, that new theater they have right. up there? I think the following week, I think okay. it starts. So. Okay, and thank you, you so much. Thanks, everybody.